Well, hello everyone. Good evening. Trust y'all have had a wonderful week so far. I have, and I hope you have too. So I think we're ready to get started. I'm gonna launch, um, kick things off. Let's um, roll that intro video real quick. Hallelujah. Welcome again. That's the formal welcome. <laughs> okay, so um, this is Word for Now. For those of you that don't know, let me put up the flyer for that. Here's our official graphic for Word for Now. Hmm, I can't use that one. I can use this one though. There we go. <laughs> and um, here is our epic one, outer space, that bird's eye view on everything happening in the world. You are... Um, by the mercy and grace of God, set to receive a measure of the speakings of God during the course um, the next few, like about a few minutes. I'll say like about an hour though. Hallelujah. So um, I think we're ready to go. Let's get started. Well, hello everyone. Let me hit record. And yes, welcome. I think I forwarded the links out, so I think we're good. Let me leave my chat box open. Chat room, someone says, hello. I just look at hello, Ma. How you doing? <laughs> Hope you've had a great day. Uh, hope Lagos traffic has not been um, any reason for anyone to compromise anything <laughs> with the Lord. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm going to turn off this um, watch beeper thing. All right. So I think we're just about ready to start. Um, and so we will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you're doing. We say thank you. I can tell, Lord God, that there's something you're about to do. Lord, I can tell from the enemy's agitations, Lord God, and from the just this sense of urgency with heaven, Lord God, that there's so much you want to pour out. Everlasting Father, we tune into that divine frequency. And we allow, Lord God, the, the cultures of heaven, the that that um that infestation, that thing that God wants to do to break into our hearts and just grip and arrest us, Lord God. Let there be an infestation of your word. Let your word go viral in our hearts. You speak and twice we hear. We say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, so um, let's see here. Um, we have been on a journey, haven't we? Right? We've been looking at the seven feasts of Israel. Amen. If you've been with us right now, by now you should not be ignorant of what the feasts mean, right? Uh, we've explained how the first feast of Passover, and put up the screen real quick the first feast of Passover, amen, um, corresponds to you getting born again. Unleavened bread speaks of the old you dying, you know, letting go of like old habits, bad habits, and things of the flesh. Hallelujah. The obvious sins, right? That says the works of the flesh are manifest. So there's some things that are manifest. They don't need to be revealed by the Lord. They're pretty obvious. What, you know, what is right and wrong. Even people in the world, they know what these things are. They know they, they can tell that they're wrong. 
Then we have first fruits, which is the shining forth of um, the newness of life, a measure of that, like a first fruits of that, you know, like a sign that, wow, this person is new. Not only has he stopped doing things that were wrong, but he's beginning to do things that are amazing. Amen. He's beginning to fellowship, live a, um, a, a picture of the Christian life as blossoming and showing forth in that person. Hallelujah. And we have Pentecost. This is when the believer, hallelujah, um, goes from being um, not just first fruits here. This is where you go from being, um, I would like phrases now. When the culture, you're being um, initiated into the culture of Israel. Amen. When you get born again, that is initiation ritual, basically. That's the truth. But uh, how do I phrase this now? It would have happened immediately, but because when we first get born again, because of our history with this world, because of exposure, because of the elements of this world, because of how in you know uh, what would the word like in, in, uh, entrenched our souls have been in this world, there is a necessity for the Lord to launch you know launch deep. Basically, what's happening is that as you are plowing deep into the Lord, there is a necessity for the Lord alone to be heard in your life, where you're not just laying down. So you can think about like um, Feast of Pentecost, amen, as an, a, a, a louder form of unleavened bread and first fruits. And I say that because what's happening here is that you are denying every ungodly influence in your life. This is not just you not listening to music. It's not just you not um, watching bad movies. It's not just you just hanging, not hanging out with wrong friends. This is where you take things to the next level and you consecrate yourself from some things that appear good, the good things of Satan, amen? The good things that pass, that people in the world are very comfortable with. And I mean, none of the things that are bad that they're comfortable with, things that are good that they're comfortable with, right? Hallelujah. And um, you go from there to uh, making sure the Lord's voice alone is all that's heard in your life. Now, on this journey of consecration, um, you hit a, I don't say a snag, but like you hit a point in, in this journey where, you say to yourself, um, basically, that I want to take this seriously. I want to get into priesthood. Priesthood is where you find pleasure in the in the worship of a deity, and that's what Pentecost represents. It's, it's a picture of you coming into like your new covenant life that you received when you got born again. The initiation into that life is actually seen at Pentecost. That doesn't mean that everything that happened before Pentecost is invalid. It just simply means that there's so much more that you get to experience, amen, where God floods your heart and overwhelms your soul. Hallelujah. So moving right along, um, give me one second. Uh, I had to sneeze there. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I was getting ready, and um, I think I turned the AC a little bit higher than I should have, amen. <laughs> this is like a common thing I do all the time. I blast the air conditioner on because I can't have the fan on, hallelujah. And I see it again, okay. <laughs> okay, so um, so with Pentecost, you experience um, literally the invasion of the seven spirits of God into your life. But it come, not as I have here in my notes, um, or I don't. No, uh, there we go. I had this conversation, blah, blah. Yes, they come not as. Yes, they don't come as the horns. They don't come as um, the ram's horn filled with oil. Like, you know, the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 5, Jesus Christ had the seven spirits of God manifest as seven horns and seven eyes. The first part of that process is seen. Okay, so 
thank you for um for that message on auntie fuga um when you first experience pentecost the seven spirits of god invade your soul in a fresh new way now the seven spirits of god they are the holy spirit the seven spirits of god they're the spirits of god there is literally no difference between as in the person who's behind them it's clearly the lord right the spirit of the lord but what happens is that in isolation the spirits of god manifest amen um um as seven distinct entities or seven distinct virtues that he wants to release into your soul amen and or that you're meant to experience or you're meant to feast on or feed on and these are wisdom understanding counsel might knowledge and the fear of the lord and then governance basically the lordship of jesus christ over your life and what's happening is that you're going to go through all of these through the tutelage of the seven spirits of god now when they first manifest they don't manifest as horns they manifest as eyes and i'm making reference to revelation chapter five we can jump in there real quick and see that let me see if i can hop on that bus real quick revelation five i am in the wrong let's see revelation five there we go uh-huh yep i knew i was on the wrong screen all right cool this is a better one Okay, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written before and behind. Let me see if I have a different translation here. Give me one second. Or maybe this one works. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> a scroll written before and behind, incident on the back, sealed with seven seals. Let me try again. I wonder why does it give me that error message? Oh, well, whatever. Um, that's not where we're going, actually. It's from verse five. Okay. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the roots of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loosen its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. So right there, you're seeing the seven spirits of God, but they manifest in two ways, okay? You're seeing here highlighted seven horns and seven eyes. Now, the, the one highlighted there as the seven eyes, amen, is the initiation part, right? What you experience in Pentecost, amen? Hallelujah. That's when they invade your life to introduce you, right? To bring you to an awareness of the culture of Israel. By Israel, I mean the culture of God, amen? Israel means prince with God, amen? So the, to, the, to the culture of those who are in government with God, amen? And this is only possible. The Bible is one, that's what I have to say, <laughs> amen? This is only possible by virtue of the ministration of the seven spirits of God. So you have that first um, introduction, amen, or in initiation into the school of the spirit at Pentecost, amen? Now you continue this school all throughout Pentecost, amen? And there is a climax, hallelujah. Or there is a, will I say graduation? I, I think um, climax is probably better. Uh, you can say both of that actually. So, cause you climax at um, what we call the Feast of Trumpets, amen? And this is where you come into um, the, the, will I say commencement? No conclusion. There we go. Of what you're experiencing at Pentecost. Basically, what's happening here is that at, at the Feast of Trumpets, um, the life you were introduced to, amen, you, you now are echoing. Um, I think I gave the picture of um, what you call it, of um, children of Israel walking around Jericho. 
and they were blowing trumpets, amen? And what happens that the trumpets were sounding on the seventh day, after they went around seven times, then the barricades fell. And it, you know, speaking of unrestrained access, amen, into the life of God, hallelujah. The way or the ritual they used to break into that was by the seven horns, amen? Or the seven blowings of the trumpets, amen? And that's what we see here in um, the Feast of Trumpets. The Hebrew word for trumpet is a shofar, or the Hebrew trumpet is a shofar. And basically, the shofar is a ram's horn, amen? And this is what you see in the book of Revelations, chapter 5. We can jump back, jump back in there. I think we we'll still still have that on my other area. So again, seven horns and then seven eyes. So somehow, if you look at this like schedule here, yes, call it schedule, yes. This schedule, roster, whatever you want to call it. It seems like a gradient. Can everyone see how it's like a gradient? Because you start off with um, Passover, you get born again, right? And then you get let go of your old life, okay, with unleavened bread. Then you begin to show signs of the newness of life at um, um, first fruits. Then at Pentecost, you now have to vanquish all of the external influences in your life completely, even the legitimate ones, okay? The sign of initiation, so you can feast on the seven spirits of God, where they bring you to awareness, amen, of the culture of Israel. And then at trumpets, you begin to show signs of not just an awareness, but that you've been indoctrinated, you've been tutored, amen? And the fruits of that is that your soul is not in disagreement with God about who you are in Christ. Your soul literally, it's who you are in Christ is now trumpeting at your soul. The, the picture um, the Lord gave was that the life in Christ inside of you is, is blasting at you. There is, there's, it's not like you're engaging um, to experience it. You might be sitting on the toilet and the signs of the new creation man are just exploding constantly exploding at you this would speak of you having you know um experiences beyond the veil and back and experiences even on this side of bringing things from that world in here and this is not just a twice a week or three times a week thing this is a consistent consistent you know bombardment of your soul because why the life of god in your spirit man <clears throat> is shouting at your soul and the reason why is because the barricade has fallen, amen. By being tutored, by by the purging of the of the of the way of life, um, of the civilization of the old man, the new man is able to blossom on the inside of you, amen. And that's what you now see with with trumpets, amen. The climax of trumpets then is atonement, hallelujah, where you discover union with Messiah like never before, and then tabernacles. Speaking of the indwelling of God, amen. And all of these things, amen, it's a gradient. So it's like greater intensities of the spirits of God, amen? There's some parts that require that you offer up some things, right? Like we explained during 11 bread, you have to let go of, you know, the sins of the past. We explained during Pentecost, you have to let go of even legal things, man, things that you consider legitimate cares of this life. You have to let them go. And the fruits of all of this is that you can then break into things like um, first fruits or break into things like trumpets, amen? And the climax of everything being tabernacles. Hallelujah. Now we explained before, all right, that people that went through all of this, the end goal or the destination was tabernacles, amen? And tabernacles here um, 
apart from the fact that it means indwelling with God, amen, to the Jewish people, they understood what tabernacling with God meant. I mean, it was so clearly illustrated to them. And the reason why is because, let me see if I have that picture here. Do I have that here? Uh, I do not have. Hmm. They were on my iPad, weren't they? Oh, dear. And I don't have, I have my iPad with me, but I don't have it connected with me. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, fair enough. <laughs> we'll just keep this going. So, um, so basically, um, the climax is, is tabernacles, amen, which is where there's the indwelling of the Lord, amen. And we explained that this climax was something that was clearly illustrated to Israel. We, we, you know, Israel was invited to Mount Sinai to be with the Lord. And that was where, amen, that initiation, that invitation was Pentecost. If they had gone up, God would have blasted them, amen, with the spirits of God, with the Shekinah glory repeatedly, because remember the Lord is that spirit, when the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty, and we beholding, amen, the glory of the Lord are transformed to the same image as by the spirits of the Lord. So that Shekinah glory, amen, the spirit of God ushers that in, they're bombarded by for 40 days and 40 nights, and the fruits of that bombardment is that the, the law, amen, the law, the Old Testament law would have been written in their hearts, and the fruit of that is that they would not need anyone to teach them laws of God. We see that in Jeremiah 31. Is it 31 or 32? I think it's 32. Jeremiah's here. Jeremiah, what, what did you write that? Tell, tell us where. Am I in the right chapter? 31, 31, 32? Yes, 31, 31. Jeremiah knows, but. <laughs> Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers, and they had taken them by the hands to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is what God wanted from the very beginning. This is what God had for them on Mount Sinai. And for us in New Testament, the, the reality that is brought here is not, so in the New Testament, what we get to experience is not the writing of the Old Testament law, amen, it's the writing of the actual laws of God. To be honest with you, what we call the Old Testament law is literally just when, what we call Old Testament is when the laws are not in your heart, but they're somewhere else, but you're living by them, amen? So for example, as a child of God, if you're living by God's laws and you don't have them in your heart, amen? God is not very impressed by that. Now, there is a portion of the covenant that has to do with your spirit, man. Amen. Um, let me see if I can get that verse that I can show us real quick. Amen. Um, this is my covenant, which I make with them, my spirit, which is upon them. Isaiah 59, 21. Let's see this. Isaiah 59, from verse 21. Oh, the very last verse. Yes. So let's look at this. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. Uh, my spirit, which is upon you, and my words, which I put in your mouth, which shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants, descendants says the Lord from this time forever. This right here is what every believer has access to. Why? Because the spirit of God is on the inside of you. By virtue of this um, decree of the Lord, by virtue of, um, let me see if there's a context here. 
Um, let's see, from verse 20, come on, there we go. The Redeemer shall come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, beautiful, 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 beautiful. I love that, I love that, I love that, I love that. Thank you, Jesus. I love that so good. Okay, I love that, yes. So basically what the Lord is saying here is um, if his spirit is on the inside of you, that is your token of the covenant. Basically, that's a sign of his union with you. Does that make sense? So right now as believers um, who have a measure, because the truth is that when you believe the gospel, the action of believing the gospel is actually the writing of God's laws in your heart. That's the truth. Amen? Who understands what I just said now? When I, as a believer, I use my heart, amen, or I, yes, with my heart, believe the scriptures, believe the gospel message, Amen. That exercise of allowing my heart to believe the scriptures, I've explained this before, is actually allowing the, the God's word to penetrate your soul into your subconscious, into your unconscious. And the fruit of that is that when, whatever, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his sub subconscious, so is he. The fruit of that is that the, the laws of God on the inside of you, amen, they change you. Amen. Because if you're thinking differently in your heart because of new laws put in there, because of new words put in there, because of new principles, amen, new emotions, new will, new imaginations, new thoughts, the renewing of the mind is captured in um, Romans chapter 12. When you successfully go through that process, that is the new covenant we see in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, right? What's happening is you're seeing um, um, the New Testament where your, your, your heart, amen is being written upon, you know, because of the imagery of being written upon, you might think about writing as in writing laws down, but it's a lot more messy than that. Writing is a very, very clean and can be very, very tidy procedure. In fact, with computers now, there's almost no mess, right? In, in that whole process. But if you check the way the Old Testament was written, I love the picture of, you know, what happened with Moses on Mount Sinai. There was an engraving, right? this huge piece of, of huge, huge stone, this huge piece of rock, and you had to get like a chisel and literally like hammer into break the fallow ground, trying to engrave the ways of God in it. That's closer to the process. Why? Because of a lifetime absorbed, amen, in the culture of this world, amen? A lifetime of believing Satan's lies. When God introduces himself to you, yes, you might believe a portion of it, but the rest of it you have to work towards. However, that portion you received, there was a chiseling, amen? There was a writing. And on that place there in your heart, in your subconscious, the Lord is domiciled, he's tabernacled there. But God's goal is not to hide in a cavern of your heart, amen? God wants all of your heart. Remember Jeremiah 31, um, sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11, amen? Let's take a look at this real quick. If I know the thoughts, and I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, right? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Then you seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Okay, let's look at that again. God is demanding, amen, or God desires, amen, pursuit with all of my heart, not some of it, all of my heart. Amen. This is where heart is being given to God's word. Now, again, God's word is all limited to what we have in scripture. We know that, right? God's word is obviously the first place we find God's word is obviously from the scriptures. Why do I say that? Because the truth is that God's word is actually found in the spirit. Okay. But the problem is that our ability to discern the spirit's voice 
varies because of so many factors, your emotions, what you watch on TV, how you feel right now, um, maybe context, even understanding, <coughs> excuse me, what the spirit is saying. And the truth is that um, until you go through the Feast of Pentecost and you have your heart purged of external influences, whatever the spirit is saying will be tainted, irrespective of how strong your prophetic gift in fact gift is. In fact, I dare say prophetic giftings and the Feast of Pentecost are completely different. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, when a child of God experiences a prophetic gift, all spiritual gifts, amen, are kind of like um, um, trial versions of spiritual operations. So when I see someone, what I mean by that is that when I see someone work, walk, working, walking in the gifts of working of miracles, for example, that person is experiencing a trial version of what the new creation man can do instinctively. Amen. Now, every believer is capable of this if they would go through the process of development. However, those with giftings, amen, what they discover through giftings is a trial version, a starter, an appetizer of the full course meal. The full course meal is what happens when you exercise yourself. That process of believing God's word. Through believing God's word, you can come into not just healing by spiritual gifts. That is the first thing that's going to happen to you when you begin to journey into God's word in place of healing. One of the first things that will happen to you is that a, a measure of healing giftings begins to break out in your life. There's healing gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. But beyond that, amen, there are operations of healing. Amen. And as you continue to allow God's word to invade your soul, you break away from just gifts alone. Amen. Into the operations themselves. Amen. Which are much higher than those. Giftings, they work with what we refer to as the anointing. Everyone ever heard that phrase before? The anointing. Amen. Many people make reference to that. Amen. What they're making reference to many times. Amen. It's either how the gifts of the Holy Spirit work in their life. Amen. The actual anointing, hallelujah, is not that thing. Amen. According to the scripture, the anointing is your personal walk with God. If you read First um, John, the Bible says you have the holy unction in you, the anointing in you that dwells in you and abides in you. By the anointing that dwells in you, you can discern right from wrong. And that thing that comes upon you in a church meeting, that allows you to prophesy and heal the sick and raise the dead and discern evil spirits and you know all these wonderful things. That is a gifting. Amen. That that doesn't abide with you all the time. Now, because because your spirit man is Christ, you have access to all gifts at, at every point in time. Amen. Because you have the fullness on the inside of you, you have access to every beta, every trial. Amen. Every every preview, every appetizer, every starter. Right. But please understand that. Um, um, there, I use the word appetizer for a reason because the whole point is to incentivize you. Incentivize, not the right right phrase, right word. Sorry, right term to get you to come into development, where the full course meal is at, where all that God has for you is at. And I'm saying this because the person who has experienced a prophetic gift, no matter how strong that prophetic gift is, it still falls short of the person that is developed. I can show this to us in the scriptures. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. So quick story, not this one. <laughs> Miriam and Moses, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian, so basically Moses married a black woman and uh, they were gossiping about him, amen? And um, verse three says, Sunday the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle and meeting. So the three came out, the Lord came down 
in the pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called out to Aaron. This must be like, this is like when a mom gets home and you're watching a TV show you should not be watching or you, you didn't clean your room or something. This is like the biggest <laughs> God as a, as a dad a moment here. Kind of a, literally God actually says that later on after Miriam gets punished for actions. And the person that punishes us for our sins is not God. <laughs> the person that punishes us for our sins is Satan. Hallelujah. Amen. He's the one that is looking for how to punish people. God doesn't punish. Okay. And so the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went for it. And he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, this is God making reference to spiritual gifts. Amen. This is God making reference to spiritual gifts. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. This is the primary way that prophetic giftings work through visions, through dreams, right? Visions, a summary for like all of the divine interactions when you're fully conscious and self-aware. Dreams is when you're like things like trances and on, on, and on, okay? Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. So God is saying here, he's faithful in all my house. That house that God is speaking of there, you might read that and think he's talking about, oh, Moses is serving in the tabernacle and he's really faithful there. But if you remember what we call the tabernacle, we explained this during the Watchman Prophetic Conference, what we're referring to as the tabernacle, amen, was actually Moses's bedroom, okay? So basically what happened is that when God was making reference here, all right, to um, Moses was faithful all in my house. He wasn't making reference to a physical house. Amen. We see this in Hebrews chapter three, I believe, right? Moses was faithful in all of God's house, but Jesus Christ has a son of the house. Okay. So he's not making reference to a literal house here. He's saying here that Moses is a faithful servant, right? And I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to begin as my servant Moses? God is saying here that when he speaks, through prophetic giftings, it is not plain, it is dark. He says, I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings, he sees the form of the Lord. Now, this is where giftings are at. Big giftings and all these different things, again, they're before Pentecost. And let me show you, again, what I'm saying from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think this is a beautiful, let's see now from verse 10. Let's look at verse 10 real quick. Hallelujah. Okay. It says here, when that which is perfect has come, should we use verse 9? Let, let's start with this, okay? Uh-huh. For we know in part, <coughs> excuse me, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is, which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Now, this is very important. Amen? Very important. Please pay attention. Okay. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, okay? Now, this is when you're looking at all of the feasts, amen, in different stages of development. There was a time when you were a child, amen, and you spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is what happens at Pentecost, okay? He's not saying here that he's going to stop using spiritual gifts, amen? He's speaking about those things that make, remember what God said, that Moses doesn't see things darkly he sees them plainly okay we're going to see why i'm paying attention to those words there because god says here when i became a man i put away childish things for now we see in a mirror dimly amen this is i think in the king james it literally says darkly i think it says that right yes now we see through a glass darkly 
but then face to face. For I know in part right now, but then shall I know, even as also I am known, and now abides faith, hope, and charity, but greatly these three charity. I don't know if you see the picture here. So you can see the difference between spiritual gifts, amen, being a child, amen, um, 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 and all of these beta trial version, appetizer starter um, operations of God, and then becoming, you know, being developed, amen. The tutelage has been completed. So this is what happens prior to Pentecost. I mean, this is like spiritual gifts and all these different things. And operations of God are on the other side of development, which you see during the Feast of Trumpets. Amen? This is what we're after. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, why am I having all these things? Hallelujah. Because I want us to see very clearly, amen, that um, the end goal, hallelujah, is that God had in mind, that's a bug, <laughs> um, is that when we're experiencing the Feast of Tabernacles, amen, it's going to be as God initially envisioned in his heart and in his mind, where God was going to have tabernacle families. Now, what I mean by this is that God's vision was not a building being constructed, but that laws be written upon the hearts of God's people. And what would then happen is that families, please hear me out, okay? Families, please listen. Families, amen, will become furniture items by functionality, not by form. So you're going to find in some families a gene, amen, for candlesticks. You're going to see in some families genes where they function as brazen altar. I don't have the Ark of the Covenant. It's in my living room, amen. You're going to have families, amen, where you're going to see them functioning as altars of incense and some families functioning as the Ark of the Covenant, amen. By functionality, by expression, not just by functionality, by functionality, every single one of them is meant to function um, as a holies of holies, amen. Hallelujah. But you're going to find them giving expression, amen, to these unique abilities. If you understand what I'm saying, but is that because they refuse to become those furniture, remember just what I said, if you cry out to me, the stones will cry out. That's literally what happened, amen, at Mount Sinai. Israel said no. So God, you stone and wood and gold, amen, and precious stones instead of the hearts of people. Does anyone understand? Now, God's initial vision was that the hearts of people, families, amen, will receive this grafting. Let's, let's look at a scripture that I think would hammer this, Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commandments. Um, let's start from verse 3. Here, 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 therefore, Israel, observe to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may increase mightily, okay? as the Lord God of your ancestors has promised you in the land which flows of milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, okay? Strength in um, Luke's version, I believe. No, sorry, the, the New Testament version. I can't remember exactly it's quoted. These words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Do you see that, beloved? Once the laws get upon the hearts, the next thing is children. Why? This is actually where I'm hammering here, okay? And this is where we're continuing our journey from the um, Watchmen Prophetic Conference. I'm going to put up that graphic real quick. Christ, the blueprint of future ages. Amen? Because each... Oh, let, me, let me go back to this thing here, okay? Each of these letters spells out Christ. Okay? 
each of the 12 tribes spells out Christ. Does that make sense? So God's desire was that unique traits would be found in every single member, amen, every single tribe. And the fruit of that is that there is now a core gene, okay, that speaks, that spells Christ out in every single one of these tribes. A good example of this is in, let's look here at um, um, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. You can see kind of like an example of this in, well, I could say in practice, practically, okay? Of the children of Issachar, no, I didn't have it. Okay, I did, I did, I did. I thought I, had a, I, thought I didn't write a specific verse down. Of the children of Israel, who were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So some people had what? Understanding of the times. Beloved, that is a candlestick family. Who gets what I'm saying? An entire tribe. Look at this. Okay, of the children of Issachar, who were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, all their brethren were at their command. You know, don't talk about Zebulon, who went forth to war, da 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 Amen? So you're seeing here an example of this. Let me give you another example, okay, of a, a picture of a family that would have constituted like the Ark of the Covenant, okay? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 33 from verse 8. Take a look at this real quick. Of Levi, he said, let thy two men and Urim be with thy holy one, whom thou didst prove at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah, who said unto his father and mother, I have not seen him, neither did he acknowledge his brethren, nor knew his own children, for they have observed thy word and kept thy covenant. This could be a picture of the brazen altar or the Ark of the Covenant. It's not about the, I'm not trying to hammer in here like a specific one-to-one um, -one correspondence here. I'm just trying to illustrate to you how different virtues were found in each of the tribes. And there was something in particular that had to happen in each of these tribes, all right? They were meant to spell out Christ, amen? So together in synchrony, in orchestra, amen? Together, they will spell out Christ. You see here this flyer, the C is one family. They look kind of like chalkboardish, all right? The H is like a calligraphy family. They have excellent handwriting. The R <coughs> is for this Elizabethan family that they're all about like um, being um, um, not just artistic, but like elegant, right? So they prefer like typewriters, like things from back in the day, okay? Then there's the I, the, the well, I say the innovators, right? The industrial people, okay? There's the S for like the, well, I say the, I don't know what, what to use here for this. The S and the T, they both fall under like the futurists, right? People who are very, very like future thinking, maybe like the, the tech people or fintech, oh, I don't know, whatever, you, you all get the idea. Does everyone get what I'm saying here? You would have different families and they would have all of these genes and their goal, amen, the goal of all of these things is that together they will spell out Christ. Or in the Old Testament, what they will spell out is Yahweh. This is going to be, this is worth, going to be very easy to expand just because already for, um, there's already um, pre, precursors to all of this. I'm going to show a graphic 
Um, Papa taught taught this during the Lamb's Wife um, discipleship um, meeting. I don't know why on earth I never put this in my notes. Shame on me for that. I'm about to copy this real quick and then I'll show y'all what I'm making reference to here. But basically, um, during the Lamb's Wife meeting, Papa spoke about heritage. Ah, what did I just do? Sorry, y'all. Very, very, I'm not dramatic. I am. I respond to that. Papa spoke about um, 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 our heritage as God's people. And he hammered extensively on the genealogies. Amen. Israel's, uh, our heritage in Israel. So let me, let me see if I can post this little um, image here. Heritage. So I can give y'all kind of wind. And if you're around for the Lamb's Wife meeting, you've seen this before. So this should not be new to you. But give me one second as I pull this out. It should be an illustration of what I'm trying to get at here. I think that should be very easy. Good. Don't give me like it'll be complicated. Awesome. I think we're good to go, y'all. Let's put this on the screen. Okay, cool. So here we have this illustration. Amen. I'm going to take away the word for now. Watermark. There we go. It's gone. Good. So here we have... These are like the banners, amen, for all the 12 tribes, okay? We have um, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Ephraim. Um, Ephraim and Manasseh, they formed Joseph. Um, the reason why we have 12 tribes, and yeah, we have Ephraim and Manasseh split is because by prophecy, um, Jacob, when he was blessing the 12 tribes, he knew that, um, that um, Levi was going to constitute um, um, the ark, basically going to... Um, observe um, priestly duties when Israel would rebel against God's invitation. So ahead of time, he coronated, um, prepared for that out for that spelling. So basically, what happens is that Levi downloads um, the Shekinah glory for all the twelve tribes, and then it is distributed. First of all, distributed to the head tribes. The head tribes are Judah, Ephraim, Reuben, and Dan, and all of these correspond to the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. Amen. Now, Judah does not function by himself. Judah has two witnesses as well, of whatever he's bringing forth those virtues. And you see Issachar and Zebulon bringing forth those virtues as well. Ephraim also doesn't function by himself. He has two witnesses, Manasseh and Benjamin. Now, all of these, please understand, all of these tribes, they have something unique to bring to the forefront. Amen? But understand also, amen, that together they bear witness to something. A beautiful way of thinking about this is like constellations. You ever see constellations before in the sky? You would see like the seven sisters, Orion, the Pleiades, all right, or the, the seven to so twelve storehouse of heaven, the Maseroth, right? You see how one star by itself is beautiful, right? Under a microscope's um, you know, magnification or telescopic ability, you see how grand these things are. But then I invite you to look up constellations. Amen. You will see something so interesting. And what is that? When you have two or three stars in a specific formation they spell something. You see that these three stars, to you, they look like lines, but to ancient, um, um, to ancient um, um, travelers, to ancient um, priests, they saw figurines. There was they, that, that, those formations, they corresponded with some kind of spiritual force. And they would have avatars for these, amen? One of these avatars is the lion. The other one's the ox, the man, and the eagle, amen? Now, all of these, they spell out Yahweh, 
what you see on the four heads, the four faces of the cherubim, the Yod, the He, the Vav, and the He. So basically, Israel's assignment, amen, was to spell out Yahweh, amen. And by Israel spelling out Yahweh, amen, that is how they would function as a tabernacle. Now, to do this, all right, we have the seven feasts. So we'll see the picture here. So when you go through the seven feasts, it tampers with your genes, and you begin to give a unique expression, all right? You begin to spell out God in a unique way. I, I could hammer this, like I could show this to you in so many ways, even in the New Testament. This is not unique to the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament as well. I'm going to give you a very easy one you can run by. Here is Revelation chapter 7. Um, it says here, um, I heard the number of those that were sealed, okay? Let me start from verse um, 3. Heard not the earth nor the seal of the trees, so we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads, okay? And I heard the number of them that were sealed. There were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. The tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Now, please understand, these numbers are prophetic, but then we must fill up the measure. Now, what, what I mean by that is that these numbers are prophetic, but they, there, is a, there, is, there is a weight they have to topple over. What I mean, what I mean by that is the fullness of Judah is what you see in that 12,000. The fullness of Ephraim is what you see in that 12,000. As people in Judah okay, are partaking of the seven feasts, they are filling up that measure, and you're seeing that the, the water level is rising until it gets to that fullness, which is 12,000. Does anyone get what I'm saying? It's a picture of the fullness, okay? So 12,000 is not a number of the number of people that are in Judah per se alone. There's a way that that could be taught, you know, which is really, really cool and really nice, but that's not all that God is saying there, amen? The 12,000, amen, corresponds to the fullness, amen? of the Gentiles specifically. When I say Gentiles, the nations, that from the earth, amen, Judah sprang up successfully from the Gentiles. Is everyone listening? Is everyone who here gets what I'm saying? That unique thing, all right, in the name of God that Judah is meant to bring forth, it is meant to be found in the Gentiles. That is what you see in the book of Revelations chapter seven, when the Bible says 12,000 of this tribe, 12,000 of this tribe, 12,000 of this tribe, making reference to the fullness of that tribe blossoming forth. Amen. Now, when you see all of the 12 tribes being sufficiently represented by the Gentiles, because the Gentiles have gone through the feasts, please understand, there is not going to be, Jesus guys are not going to be coming back unless we go through this process. It doesn't matter. Can I say something? If the signs of the times are happening right now, it means some people somewhere are doing this thing. Does that make sense? If you say, I will not do it, that's your business. What is that what I'm saying? God is telling you, come on, help me end this age. And you're saying, I will not do it. I have a yoke of boxing. I, have, I, just, I just bought some land. I just got married. What would Jesus Christ say? <laughs> he that puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Notice how Jesus Christ is not, when the rich young ruler left Jesus, he didn't go after him begging and say, no, no, don't leave. Yes, you give everything to the poor. But when you're with me, I'm true riches. He didn't go and beg him. Amen? So, am <clears throat> I saying that God doesn't beg you? Ah, God's life is intercession. Amen? Jesus Christ, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen? I beseech ye therefore, right, by the mercies of God. But what, what happens when a believer, they themselves, 
they sear their own conscience towards some things, amen? It is going to require a lot of work to break down those veils, to break down those walls. Who gets what I'm saying? Okay, I'm just going to keep this going, amen? Makes sense? Awesome. Thank you so much. That's really encouraging, amen? So we're seeing the spelling of the 12 tribes. What was in my mouth? <laughs> amen? The Yod, the Hey, the Vav, the Hey. I want you to see that Yahweh or the name Jesus is not going to be spelt J-E-S-U-S, amen? But by a group of people that function or act a specific way. When you see people of this tribe, 12,000, this, 20, you see the fullness of all of these things, then you'll see Jesus. Does that make sense? Not Jesus, the man, but Jesus, the civilization, or Jesus, the tabernacle. Uh, let me show this to us um, clearly from the scriptures. Let me see if I can find this here. Amen. Let's just wrap this up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, not puts Bane. Puts my name. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's look at Numbers chapter 6. We'll start with this, okay? Numbers chapter 6. From verse, uh, let's say, 23. So speak unto Aaron and his son, saying, This is how you will bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Okay? So, remember what we read? Did we read this? We, I quoted that verse. Second Corinthians chapter 3, amen? About we beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, and we transform to the same image from glory to glory. Amen? That is what is being captured here. When he's saying, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, the shining of God's face, amen, is meant to bring about a transformative kickstart the transformation process in Israel. This is what I was talking about in um, 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 when, when I think made reference to the seven feasts. On Mount Sinai, Israel was meant to experience the shining face of God. That is where the blessing was. Does that make sense? As we're reading this here, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. That shining face of God was on Mount Sinai. Now, because Israel refused to go up, God said, Aaron, release it here. Does that make sense? So what should have happened is that they should have been blessed, kept, if they went up into the mountain. Ah, wrong view. That is the wrong view. My bad. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> that is not what y'all need to see. Amen. That's my, my view here. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Let me hit stop the recording so I can notice that position there. Awesome. Okay. This is captured in Pentecost. This is captured, amen, in trumpets. This is captured in atonement. Because the day of atonement is when the high priest explicitly goes, uh, let me let me put my screen back on. The day of atonement is when the high priest goes to the most holy place, amen, and receives, amen, like a capacitor, a supercharged dose of Shekinah glory to distribute among Israel. What he does is that he goes in, does all the rituals for the Day of Atonement, right? For Yom Kippur. When he's finished, he comes out. He's shining like the sun. He's received the shining face of God for all of Israel. So he's now shining like he's the face of God. And what he now does is that he declares these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be grace unto you. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Do you see how the name of God and transformation are the same thing? So when we go through the feasts, what we're receiving is God's name. Does that make sense? Our own unique spelling, our letter, our virtue, our yod, our hey, our bab, our hey, is received as we feast, as we go through the seven feasts of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. I will show this in one more way and we'll call it quits. Amen. Let me show this to us in the book of Revelations, chapter one. And I promise you I'm going to end here. Whoever believed that someone preaching could ever keep a promise to end on time. Hallelujah. Let's see here. So um, from verse 10, John said, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day and I heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and I am Omega. I'm the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now, he hears the voice, okay, of a trumpet, as he's in the Spirit of the Lord's Day, okay? And when he turns, look what he says, okay? I turned and I saw seven golden candlesticks, that's one. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like a son of man, okay? So seven golden candlesticks, one like a son of man, okay? Clothed down to the garment, um, clothed with the garment down to the feet, girded about with a, with, about the breast with a golden girdle, his head and his hair, white as wool, white as snow, his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, as though they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword, his countenance shone as the sun, shining in his strength. And when I saw him, his feet is dead, laid his right hand upon me, said, I'm the first and the last, I'm he that lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and death. Now, every single unique description of Christ captured there are genes that are actually spread out among the seven churches. What happened here, Jesus Christ was not telling you who he was alone. He was telling you who he was in the people. In other words, what John saw here is not Jesus Christ, almighty God. What he saw here was the measure of Christ that the seven churches had collectively assembled. How much of Christ they had spelt out. Let's say they had not spelled out all of Jesus yet. What he saw was J-E-S or J-S, S, and U. They need an E. Who gets what I'm saying? The J here is not the letter J. The J here is like he who, whose eyes are like a flame of fire. That's how you spell the name of Jesus. And then the E is like he that walks in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. And the first S is like he who has the keys of hell and death, right? And the second S, amen, is he that was dead and behold, he's alive forevermore. And on, on, and on. If you check all of the seven churches, you are going to see something very interesting. Amen. Each of the seven churches is ministered to by a unique revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look real quick, okay? So the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. What you're seeing there, amen? is that that person that you saw in Revelation chapter one, amen? <clears throat> a portion of him 
amen, that you saw there was actually the person that wanted to speak to the church in Ephesus. Let's keep this going. Okay. Okay. Um, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, these things says, he that is the first and the last who was dead and is alive. Do you see that? To the angel of the church in Pergamos, right? These things says he that has a sharp sword with two edges. If you keep on going through the angel of the church in Thyatira, whose eyes like a flame of fire, huh, that rhymed. I know I'm going to retire. Okay, so you're going to see that each of the seven churches, amen, is able to spell out Christ in a very unique way because of the unique deposit, amen, of Christ they've come into by participating in the seven feasts of Israel. Is everyone listening? So as we participate in seven feasts of Israel, there is a unique signia, insignia, a unique branding of God a unique tattooing of God, a unique spelling of the name of God, you become a character, not a funny person as in character, but as in the character of God begins to show where you manifest as the eye of God or the hand of God or the leg of God, amen, or the feet of God, amen, or God's spine, amen. The Bible says, he that overcomes, I'll make him what? A pillar in the temple of my God. I will write upon him, my name or the name of my God. Hallelujah. Is everyone seeing the picture here? So in other words, when you look at the tabernacle, amen, when you look at the tabernacle, let me see if I can find a verse that will clearly show this. Yes. First Kings chapter 9, verse 3. This is where we end. Did I say this before? Amen. The Lord said to him, I've heard your, your prayer and your supplication that you made before me. I've hallowed this house, which you built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be with, with the will be there perpetually. What is happening here? God is saying, hey, Solomon, you have built this temple for me. Now, this temple. Amen. I'm going to put my name there. You know why? Because it has. The candlestick. It has the ark, it has the table of shoe bread, amen. It has all of the furniture items. It has successfully spelt out God's name. So because of that, God's name is found there. <coughs> Hallelujah. Basically the altar, because that's what the tabernacle is, a glorified altar, amen. The altar, amen. All of these things, amen, are the ways that we look like Jesus. So what am I showing us here? That Christ Jesus is actually meant to be a DNA in families. I'm going to say it again. Christ Jesus is meant to be a gene. Jesus is not just meant to be a way that we live. He's meant to be so, you know, there's a way someone can drink. There's a way someone can sleep around. It enters into their blood. We're supposed to do God. We're supposed to feast on God. So much. He enters our DNA. And when we bring forth children with diligence, we will teach them, tutor them as candlesticks. I'm going to show this to us next week if I get the chance to. Hallelujah. But first of all, I want to thank everyone for joining us. This is Word for Now. I'm going to put the graphic up real quick. 
this is the word for now. Amen. Pastor Francis Seaborn sends his love and his greetings. I don't know if I introduce myself. My name is Francis Seaborn Jr. I am his son. I'm also a member of the Kavadulu community. Hallelujah. This is a word for now, one of the expressions of Crystal Rivers, our 8 p.m. weekday meeting on, I already said it, on Zoom. There we go. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to uh, remind everyone that uh, we have a few upcoming meetings. One of them is our prayer stretch, Amen. a 50-hour prayer meeting starting next week. Please make yourself available. It's going to be fun. It's going to be tight, y'all. Um, there's actually, uh, by the mercy of grace of God, I've seen like a schedule and some different things going to be happening. Please, um, if you want to come for this, come with your notebooks, come with your, 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 your journal, your Bible journal, come with your prayer journal and spend time, waste yourself in God's presence and allow yourself to go where you've never been before. There's a phrase that we had when I was in Bible school. It was, if you want to go somewhere you've never been, you have to do something you've never done. Amen. And um, if you've never done this before, here's an invitation. You won't die. I can, I can assure you, you won't die. I know you're not going to die. I know. <laughs> you're going to live, actually. You're going to discover a new form of life. Amen. It will be live streamed for those who are um, online, who can't be there in person. Hallelujah. If you're in Lagos, I don't know why you won't be here in person, but you're streaming online. But uh, whatever the case might be, there's many different reasons why people can't make it in person. So for that reason, we have the online stream available. But to be honest with you, all you're going to be hearing is the background chatter of people praying in the Holy Ghost, unless people are leading at different points in time. Now, a major prayer point we're going to be having during this prayer stretch, amen, is our prayers for our immersion teen and young adults meeting, Father of Lights. Beloved, we're seeing the Lord do amazing things during this meeting. And we want to see everyone that comes with this meeting be, you know, hit really, really, really hard. Really, I mean, really, really hard. And uh, we're going to be teaching, expanding on the scriptures, going to be impartation, the love of God, and so many other things. And um, I really want to ask you to make yourself available in whatever way you can to be a part of this, whether it's by donations, whether it's by prayer. Please, prayer is necessary. Um, please, um, I mean, give, we welcome your giving, but please make sure you're praying. We would really love... Um, the Lord to show up in a way we've never seen before. I've seen the Lord show up in these meetings in crazy ways. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen here. And um, I believe that's it. Tomorrow we have um, Melchizedek School of Priesthood. I have a graphic for that here, right? Yes, I do. Starts at 4 p.m. Amen. I'm going to make sure I leave the house before, before um, rush hour traffic hits me. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, I really hope this blessed you in some form or fashion. On Friday, we're going to have open book study. We couldn't have open book study this last Friday, but we're going to have it this coming Friday. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Jesus loves you, and have a good night. Jesus dreams. Bye-bye. <laughs>